You're listening to Haunting History Podcast, the podcast that reaches back into the past to the stories that still haunt us today. Tales of true crime, mysteries, and sometimes even the macabre. Join us as we travel back in time to the people and the lives behind the headlines. Listen as we research the stories that are still haunting those left behind, shining a new light on dark and cold cases. As the saying goes, someone out there knows something. Are you that someone? Welcome back to Hunting History Podcast. I'm your host, Kat. And I'm Haley. Following is the first conversation that I had with Michelle, who is Carrie's younger sister. And it doesn't have a lot of information about what happened to Carrie in it. But what it does have is a lot of information on what happens to families when something like this happens. And the suspicions the families always had and the things that they've gone through since that day in June of 1980 when Carrie disappeared. There are some audio issues with it. Um, We tried to edit as much of it as we could out, but I didn't want to change Michelle's story. So there may be some parts that are a little more difficult to hear, but we tried to keep it to the minimum. Um, How old were you when Carrie went missing? I was 12 years old. And she was 15 going on 16 or 14 going on 15? 15 going on 16. She Disappeared in June. She was 15, and her birthday was September 11th. Yeah, so she was just really shy of her 16th birthday. Correct. And did you guys share a room, or did she have her own room? No, we never shared a room. She always had her own room. We had just moved to Fullerton um, two weeks prior to her disappearance, and we had a brand new house, and she had her very own room, and I had my own room. And did she... Were you guys, I mean, 12, you would think you're, you're just becoming a teenager, teenager, and she's a teenager, that you would be really close, but the age difference between 12 and almost 16, that, there's a huge difference in, like, friends and what you're allowed to do and what you do do and what you're interested in. Right. Is we that were, true? That's true. We were completely, um, I mean, we didn't hang out or anything like that. I mean, she was in high school, and I was a kid in elementary school, so... Yeah, it was a big age difference, almost four years. And do you, um, was she like a funny girl? Was she more of a somber girl? Was she boy crazy? Was she like outgoing? Everything I've read said that she was really outgoing. She was very outgoing and very good looking and um, lots of boyfriends and uh, not shy at all. (laughs) I remember that for sure. Was Um, she even allowed to date at that age? Um, I don't recall her, like, going on dates such as, like, in a car or anything like that. I know she didn't drive, and I don't really have any memories of that. Um, I know she had boyfriends, you know, in the neighborhood and such. But dating, I don't know. Hanging out, yeah. I really don't know much more than that or remember much more than that. Do you think you blocked some of the memories of your sister? Maybe, maybe, um, or it's just so long ago, you know, I was 12, and yeah. I, I really don't have a lot of memories from, um, of us at all. I mean, I can look at pictures, and I think I can remember the things depicted in the pictures, um, but I don't have a lot of memories, and I'm not really sure why. But I remember that day she left. 
And she wasn't supposed to leave the house that day. No, she wasn't. We were supposed to stay home and wait for furniture to be delivered because, like I said, it was a brand new house. And I only recently was told, I think my mom told me that what it was was being delivered, but I didn't have any independent recollection of that either. I just remember it was summer and my parents both worked and we didn't know anyone in the neighborhood in our in our neighbor, new neighborhood, but she did know a boy by the name of Danny who was from our old neighborhood who moved to Fullerton, Sunny Hills, Fullerton, and she apparently talked to him, and I just remember her telling me, I'm going to meet Danny up at the ice cream store, and you stay here and watch, wait for the furniture. Was she defiant, like, leaving your mom? Like, your mom had told her that she couldn't go anywhere that day. Was she, oh, normally was she defiant? Like, no, I'm not going to stay home today, or? Yeah, yes. Well, like a 15-year-old girl. 15-year-old girls are kind of like, this is lame. Why am I sitting here on a summer day waiting for a delivery? Or was she just always, like, grounded in things like that? You know what I mean? Like, how... Some kids, like me, I, I was think, the bad girl, you know? Yeah, I just think she felt that I was there and, you know, she didn't need to be there. I was there no. and I could I could take the furniture in or whatever and she could leave. So I don't remember what I said. Um, I just remember she left and she left on foot. And it wasn't that far a walk, but... Um, maybe a mile and a half. I'm not really sure. And that was the last time I saw her. And your mom reported her missing right away. Like right away. Even, like and you didn't call, call your mom and say, hey, she's, she left or anything? I don't remember. I don't remember that at all. I just remember as the day got later and later, I was like, where is she? And then at some point, my parents came home from work and she wasn't home and it was unusual you know back then we didn't have cell phones or anything like that and my mom I believe contacted Danny's mom and said you know what's up where's Carrie and then from there it just kind of took on a life as a life of its own and I remember I don't remember if I was there or if they told me, but they they mean Danny and his parents and my parents went up to the hill where supposedly Danny dropped her off. And I'm he wasn't alone. Was there were three of them, right? There were three boys that were all... Interestingly, there were three boys, and I didn't even know that until recently. I thought there was just two, and Troy looked one, and he's now deceased. And he died a long time ago, from what I understand. Did um, I was talking to your mom just the other day. She was saying that the homes in your neighborhood, because you you guys bought a brand new house. It was spanking new. No one like no one had ever lived in that before. Correct. 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 And you had to put your own landscaping in and so, so forth. And there were a lot of um, people doing pools and landscaping, et cetera. Yeah. yeah, I was talking to your mom about that, that the neighborhood itself wasn't really built. So there would have been a lot of people in the neighborhood on that particular day that she went missing, that there would have been a lot of, like, 
landscapers or construction workers or delivery people in the neighborhood on that particular afternoon because it wasn't like a quiet Yorba Linda neighborhood where you see an Amazon truck every once in a while. It, no, it wasn't. It wasn't anything like that, like it is now. And and also the area looks so much different now. Before this was a brand new tract of homes that was kind of built in the middle of nowhere at the time, and even across from it, it was just an old Hughes Aircraft field. Like there was a softball field, and then it was just Hughes Aircraft, I think, and there was nothing over there. So you, it was very isolated at the time. It is not that way anymore, but at the time it was. It was sure. like a really rural. Yes, rural, exactly. And um, your mom, from what I'm understanding, is that she had called the Fullerton Police, which is what any mom would do, the, mm-hmm. call your local police department. But they took it, and I'm, and I'm curious if you have any idea why, and it seems to be a theme of girls who went missing in the 70s and 80s, and that, this is what my third or fourth story, um, that the police tend to treat back then, not anymore, but back then, you couldn't even report anyone missing for 24 hours, and they took it as Carrie might have been a runaway. Right. Had she been maybe two years younger, it would have been a different story, I think, but because she was a teenager and um, I, I don't know. I don't know why their policies were the way they were, but... Also, if you look at that, there was plenty of evidence to suggest that she did not run away, like the fact there was money in her room and her bags were packed because she was going on a weekend trip with her friend the next day. So <laughs> she had no there was evidence. <laughs> yeah, she had her allowance or something was still left on her mm-hmm. on her dresser. So she right. didn't when she left that afternoon, she wasn't leaving for any length of time. She was leaving for yeah. a couple hours and coming back. I mean, she had a purse. And she probably had, yeah. Walked out of the house, yeah. And had intention of being home before your mom got home, of course. Oh, sure, right. And And then... Danny said he dropped her off sometime around four-ish, I guess. And what time do you think she left? Do you remember? Uh, I I don't know. I'm sure you don't remember. I I didn't see what time it was. I don't remember, but I know it was a long time where I was like you know, why isn't she home type thing. Do you, did the police ever talk to you? Yes. I remember, I don't remember them talking to me before the bones were identified. After they talked to me. Not before. I don't, at least I don't remember them talking to me. Do you remember that day, the day that that her bones were identified? I do. I do. I know. I remember that day very well. I remember coming home from school, walking down Parks Road and, um, you know, middle of the day, and both my parents' cars were in the driveway. Which was unusual. Very unusual. And I immediately thought something was wrong. And I walked in and my mom... I think there must have been other people there, too. I think there were detectives there. And my mom came in, and she said they found Carrie. And at that point, I was, like, I didn't know what that meant. Like, okay, they found her. She's, like, in the kitchen. (laughs) Or you know what I mean? I didn't know what that meant. 
Cause, yeah, because I didn't know about the bones or anything like that. I mean, I was 12. They didn't tell me stuff like that. And then it kind of clicked, and then I knew. And then, all of a sudden, they wanted to investigate <laughs> after it's too late. So I, re- I remember them showing me um, books of pictures of, like, wanted criminals, et cetera, you know, pic- you know, pages after pages, and did you see any? I didn't even go outside. We had lived there two weeks. I, I, I didn't recognize anything or anyone. I, that, that was my other question. When she was gone that day, did you just stay home? Yeah. I waited for the furniture. I don't even have a recollection of it arriving. I'm assuming it did. I just, I don't know why I don't remember that, but I don't. Um, I, yeah, I just, she said, I'm leaving and you wait for the furniture and I'll see you later. Okay. I mean, that's so crazy that you don't even remember um, the furniture being delivered. Because that was one of the no. things that I was talking to the investigator about is that there's always been so much suspicion about, and this is typical and completely normal, that the last person to see that person, whoever went missing, the last person is always a suspect. Yeah. But over the years, and even the, I don't put a lot of credence in the original investigators because they treat it as a runaway. And that is always going to bother me and there's nothing anyone can ever do about it because it's, I believe it's fixed now. I do believe it's fixed now. I think that they take any missing child, no matter what age, what disposition the child has, what evidence there is. If a child is missing, they immediately start looking. Back in the 70s, yes. 80s, they didn't do that. They just did it. Right. Right. They didn't have any databases. And I did right. a lot of research on the issue. I wrote an article about it in law school, and it was published. And so yeah, the this National Center for Missing and Exploited Children is that exact agency that runs everybody's name and picture and, you know, cross-references it to everything. I mean, back in the 80s, they didn't have any of that. They didn't have any of that. And the police officers were definitely more lackadaisical about looking for teenage girls. They just assumed, oh, she's off with her boyfriend or she's off with her friends. Yeah. And they didn't they don't look at a all. lot of They didn't do anything. Nothing. It's so heartbreaking. Yeah, they didn't do anything. But talking to your mom and then talking to Bob um, about that, and again, like people always want to suspect or it's just natural to suspect the last people that were that person. But because of where you lived, it being really rural and the fact that there was a delivery person even just at your house mm-hmm. and there being construction workers in the area, things like that, those are all things that had they been looked at back 40 years ago, any mm-hmm. one of those people could have already been known in the system. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the guy building the pool, nobody even looked at that person. And right. that's, it's so unbelievable to me and so frustrating. And, but And why didn't anyone think, okay, well, let's check out the furniture company. You know, that right. would have been, that could have been, she could have been walking home. She could have been walking up right when they delivered. Yeah. When they delivered. Right. And they and they have a van. Car or van or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't even think about that until um till recently and again I don't have any independent recollection of it even being delivered. Or by so, who? Yeah. If it was or one person delivering, if it was a group of people delivering or a pair of delivery drivers or 
Um, that how did this change your fam- family dynamic after your sister went missing? Oh, um, well, <laughs> it was weird. Um, it's just, it was just very weird to have someone in your life one day and then not the next. And it was just weird for me. I mean, I had to walk down the same street to go to school um, or home from school every single day and mostly by myself. And Did your mom get more protective? No. Mm-mm. I mean, they continued, life went on, you know, they continued to work and I um, walked home to an empty house. But they soon after adopted my sister, my little sister who was a baby, well, she wasn't even born and then they adopted her and then um, it was like set up that way. Anyway, so then my parents hired a nanny, so then there was someone home. So you have an adoptive sister, too? I do. So was that a decision that was made after Carrie went missing, or was that already in the works? It was. It was after, and it was completely random. My dad was a lawyer and had a client who had um, a child and adopted a child, and the same mother was pregnant with another child. And was it was just happenstance. She contacted my dad, probably in some kind of legal capacity, and said, you know, hey, I need to place this baby. And that kind of took a life of its own on. And so they adopted my sister. Your mom was very vocal. Like in most of the articles, it's always your mom being quoted, but not your dad. How did right. your dad react to most of this? Was he disconnected well, in some way? Was it sort of a brief, a defense mechanism? Probably. Probably. He's just like, now this is a fact you might not know. He was not Carrie's father. Oh, I did not know that. No, but he raised her. My mom had Carrie when she was really young, like 18, and the father was not in the picture. And so my dad raised her and He's just a man and didn't show his emotions like women did, you know. I can't imagine what that did to your mom. I mean, even she declined to be recorded because to this day she still can't talk about it without breaking down. Yeah. And I yeah. I can't imagine what that was like for you to to grow up with. Yeah, sort of the shadow of this tragedy. About it. It's really weird. It's really weird. Nobody really talked about it, and I never talked about it. I've been married 33 years, and my husband's never even been to the cemetery, and just nobody talked about it. And um, I have, I had to like make myself remember and and just have those memories. And so I got a smallish tattoo on my arm um, that I had made what was drawn from scratch and I said you know I don't want a picture of my sister on my arm that's weird but I want something to to make me remember her to stop suppressing it and um, just something in her honor and so the tattoo artist made this really cool picture of a girl and a heart and it just symbolizes to me just missing children unsolved mystery type things 
you know what? I you're not the first person to tell me that it wasn't really talked about. I mean, some people just sweep, you know, sweep it under the rug and move on with life. And I think if it had happened in this day and age, it would be a whole different story. You know, we have the internet and we have all these um, great resources now, uh, but we just didn't back then. And that's why when you read all that stuff about Campbell who's in prison and they finally connected all those murders to him, the reason why it took so long was because, you know, one body was found in, like, Fullerton, California, and the other one, or Fullerton City, and the other one was found in a Riverside County, and right. then another one was, you know, Connor Canyon is, like, uh, what is it called, um, where it's not a city or a... Uh, like the unincorporated area. Unincorporated area. So, yeah, so they don't tie any of this stuff together, and they didn't have the Internet back then. So it's like they're, you know, just missing the boat, it seems like. Well, and the thing is about doing a cold case like this is that you were 12, but mm. there were people around that are still alive now that were in their, there were 19, 20, 21, 22, mm-hmm. that saw something unusual happen that day, but didn't think about it, didn't put mm-hmm. two and two together. So the thing about doing stories like this it seems so impossible, and and I get why people walk. Kind of, you keep saying how they went on with life. Like there was the thing. There was nothing you can do about it. There's nothing. No. There was no way to continue to research it. Or if I looked more, if I tried harder, there was nothing you can do about it. But nowadays, even though it's so long ago, we can hope that there's someone out there that saw something weird that day that might bring some kind of closure. And I don't know. How that would change things for you? Would that would that help you? We don't know. I would love to know what happened. I mean, at this point, I don't care how gory the details may be. I just want to know. I Do you think that maybe that's why you've repressed it up until now, though? I mean, I'm not saying that you have repressed memories, but I mean, do you you remember other things from being 12? Why not a lot of the stuff about your sister? Do you know what I mean? Mhm. Mhm. So I can imagine that it was just a really tough time for you and and for your mom. And and I'm assuming your dad. I think I read had passed away. He did. He did five years ago. Okay. Yes. And so he never talked about it either. Not really. No. No. Mm. Nobody did. Nobody talked about it. And I actually went to school. High school with Danny. So he was younger than your sister. He he must have been. Let's see. He was a senior when I was a freshman. So, so he was two years younger than your sister, right? You and your sister are four years apart. Maybe one year. The only memory I have him of him at high school, but I just find it very strange that. If you have nothing to hide, why won't you be more proactive with me? And why won't you um, be more willing to help out and talk? And and I just think it's really strange. I mean, if do you if, think that if, he hasn't been helpful? From what I've been told, he was helpful. Like the first time he was interviewed, and then the second request, he wasn't. 
And the third request, he wasn't, I mean, he could just be irritated because, you know, my mom would get irritated because she just felt like, you know, every year they, somebody had to open the file and then call her and upset her and they did absolutely nothing and then upset her for no, no reason. But um, I just have, my mom's always had the thought that there's more to the story and I've always thought that too and I don't know what that's based on. I'm not accusing him or anything like that. I just, you know, you, like you said earlier, it always comes back to the last person to see him alive, right? Well, I I think that's, yeah, I mean, not as far as being the person who did it, but as far as the person you suspect the most would be mm-hmm. the person that you know were with them the, the last time. Right, so I and I found... completely natural. Yeah, I found the third guy through the Cerritos High School alumni page on Facebook. And when I had read... Um, for the, when I realized there was a third person, um, I found the name and somebody immediately recognized it. And, and uh, I think that's Keith Sharon, the reporter, called him and and we gave the number to, to um, Taft, Bob Taft. And I think Bob called him and at first he was like, oh, sure, I'll meet with you and I'll do anything you'd like. And he did meet with with Bob and they met at the location where he says they dropped my sister off. My sister was on Danny's handlebars. handlebars. Yeah. And um and then the next thing I know he said that he would be more than happy to talk to me and answer any question I wanted. And I'm like, Great, let's let's set that up and then all of a sudden it was nope, I don't want to say another word. I don't want to talk to anyone. So I don't know what. Do you think that's when he found out you were a lawyer? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know why that makes any difference. No, I don't don't know. I just that was my thought. Like maybe because when I talked to Bob, Bob, Bob said that he interviewed them without any thought. Like he didn't have any preconceived notions when he interviewed both of them, the both of the boys that were with her last, and that both of them. Um, he felt really confident that they were both telling the same story and it wasn't like a planned story. Like, let's say this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said I should probably try and reach out to them and I think I would like to. I'm sad that neither one of them, I'm assuming, I'm assuming as children, their parents probably controlled a lot whether they spoke to your mom or not. I don't think it was their choice. It was probably their parents, wouldn't you think? Right. Well, my mom was also told by the investigators... Not to contact them. Not to talk about it, not to, you know, do anything, don't say anything. And so my mom thought all this time was going by and there was, like, some active investigation. And so did I. And come to find out, when I read those reports from Bob Cap, there wasn't anything done. You, you can see the huge gaps an investigation yeah. in that report. I mean, they're just, and she feels, my mom feels a lot of guilt and anger about that because she really did think there was an active investigation and there absolutely was not. No, there wasn't. And I know part of her guilt is listening to them and not talking to those boys herself. Yeah. I can, I can, 
I can imagine that's something that eats away at you. That it wasn't something you didn't just, that she didn't just go pound on the door and go, look, look me in the eye, where's my daughter? Right. And I can imagine that that's really frustrating. Yes. And that's one of the things that I think that um, I want to talk ex- like extensively with Bob about. Because I think that you and I have seen the summary and things like that, but we've never been able to see every tiny bit of what Fullerton PD did. Right, and I ordered the police report and I never got it. Because it's un- it's still considered a cold case. So I don't know if Bob can shed more light on that. Bob said I could get it and he actually gave me the number because I'm a family member and they have to give it to me. And I actually called and gave them the number and they're like, okay, I'll call you when you have to get it. It's so old, you know, they have to pull it from, the, from yeah, wherever okay. records. And they never, they never sent it to me and they never called me, nothing. Would you consider trying that again? Yeah, I guess. I, because I wonder if there's information in there from very, very early on in the investigation of things yeah. that we don't know. You know what I mean? I want to see it. Yeah, for sure. The more information we can get out, the better. Yeah. I'm still going to go with Bob in at least to um, where she disappeared. He said that it's a lot further from your home than originally thought based on... um, Maybe he thought it was actually a lot closer to the home than I thought. Really? Because some of the newspaper articles said you're... Your home was in view of where they got dropped off. Right. And I read that and I'm like, what? That has never been my recollection. Yeah, he said, no, that's not true. It's it was a lot farther thought, than that. I always thought that she was dropped off at Park Junior High, which is at the completely other end of the street. I mean, they're, you know, half a mile away or more away. And I'm like, what are you talking about? My whole, My whole life I thought that's where... They went their separate ways. Then I read, I don't know if I read it in the summary or what, it said it, my house was in view, and I'm like, what are you talking about in view? I've never heard that story. I think then that was concerning story. Yeah, then I actually went there with Bob. I go, I go, you have to show me what's going on. And we and Keith Sharon, the reporter, went with us. I go, you have to tell me what's going on because, you know, this is something new that, uh, nobody told me about, and I'm having a hard time believe you could see my house and she got kidnapped. So he showed us, and we could walk there. It was not far away. Um, so it was a lot closer than I thought, but it certainly wasn't within viewing distance at all. Okay. Would it have been a busy road or a rural? There was like a trail. If you're if you're starting at the bottom, like by my house, and going up Parks Road. There was a like a dirt trail, and then there was it was lined with trees. So, if you were on the trail, and the the trees would definitely block your view from the street. So somebody could have been hiding in there for sure. Would someone drive by in a delivery van? So if you if they dropped her off where they said she did, it would have been on the other side of the street. So she wouldn't have even been walking on the trail or the or that hidden you know, the hidden trail with the tree. They said they dropped her off on the other side of the street and that was a sidewalk and that would have been I mean, we're talking uh you know, five minute walk to my house. Hmm. 
we, I walked it in boots in, like, November. I thought, why would they drop her off right here? Um, there, I mean, like, like I said, it looks a lot different now. There's a concrete median. There's tons of trees. There's a whole other housing tract where it used to be the field, the empty field. Um, it could have been someone in the field. Um, and where they said they dropped her off was like a a road with a little street name. Like I, I couldn't even, when Bob was telling me, I couldn't even picture that. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what road. But then when I got there, I go, okay, yeah, I get this. But I'm like, I guess it makes sense why they would drop her off there if they really were going to go up that road, you know, not to get them to their house. And it would be really close to my house, and she, you know, she could have just walked down. Um, but it was just weird because I didn't know that's where they dropped her off. Oh, you didn't? After, like, 40 years, you didn't know exactly where it I was? I always thought it was at Park Junior High. Always. And then her remains were found almost 15 miles away. Yeah, Tanner Canyon. Was it that far? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know it was that far. 13.9 miles. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. That's a but far that away. Been, that's not, I mean, it's like right behind the Braille Mall. Um, yeah. Exactly. And that's she, a distance. I mean, and statistically, and this is an awful thing to say, this is what I was apologizing in advance for. Um, statistically, when a child is murdered via a kidnapping, it happens within three hours. Mm-hmm. I believe so that. Three hours, I mean, for someone driving, for kids on a bike, 13.9 miles is really far. Do you know what I mean? Like, do mm-hmm. kids do that? Yeah, they do it all the time. But to have, like, a plan to have a premeditated plan, like, this is what we're going to do, this is what we're going to do to this person, and go 13 miles, that's really far. Um, But for a delivery guy who is delivering, has a delivery in the back of his truck of, a, you know, a couch that has to go to Brea, too, mm-hmm. not that unusual. Yeah, that's definitely a, a thought. likely scenario, for sure. But it where they said they dropped her off was so close, it had to have been just just so fast, you know what I mean? Like a crime of opportunity. Just for sure. I mean, I don't think it was premeditated or anything like that. I don't know, unless one of the theories that Keith Sharon and I were talking about was, okay, so what if she was up at the ice cream store with Danny and these other boys and, you know, there's lots of other people up there and they met, other people and that's kind of you know let's bring in that what if they met up there and what if one of the boys she met up there like followed them you know what I mean who had a car but who had a car right right because Danny didn't have a car and I get it and that's basically what they have always the investigators have hung their hat on is well she couldn't he couldn't have done it he didn't have a car it makes it less likely for where her remains were found. But what if she met somebody up at the ice cream store that they knew and she got in their car and then this happened and and what's interesting is when I put and when I put the story on, you know, Sunny Hills High School, nobody knew her walk they nobody knew her because she didn't make it to high school there. We just yeah. moved there. So then I'm like, Okay, I'm gonna put it in Cerritos and sure enough, that's how I met um uh, Keith Sharon. Keith. A lot of people 
recognized her and knew the story, et cetera. I have another question. Did any psychics ever contact your mom? That was really big in the 70s and 80s, too. Yes. I think. You have to double check with her. But she did meet with one that worked with the police. And they told us, she told my mother that she felt that she was dead. Really? Yep. So I'm going to, it's, it's okay to ask your mom about that then. I mean, sure. she's answering yeah, other yeah. questions. Okay. And then I have one last question for you before I let you go. Do you think, I mean, because you have three daughters. Yeah. Do you think that your parenting is different because of losing your sister the way that you did? Definitely. I am, like, super, super protective, for sure. I mean, I, the thing about the, like, getting in the way of everybody didn't have fun or anything like that, I just worry about everything like, so bad. Like, for instance, like, I hate to fly, but it doesn't keep me from flying. I'm going <laughs> to, I like to travel, but I hate flying. You know what I mean? Because some people yeah. are so afraid of flying, they won't fly. I'm just. Yeah, I they're all, they all had a really my kids all had a really good tra- childhood, and um, but you were overprotective I, because of I that. was not super overprotective. I wanted them to have um, great experiences, and in general, it changed me as a person. I'm like super um, hyper alert, is what I would think. Of, like, your surroundings and things like that. To the point that you, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time articulating it. Do you think this all has to do with? For sure. The, really? I do. I do. I think no. every, everything, I, I think the worst the in everything. Do you the think, worst. do your daughters know about the details of your sister's disappearance? Yeah, they know. They know. But, yeah, so that's the one part that sucks that. Everything is, um, I can't really be happy about everything. I mean, I'm very happy. I just have to get through being so afraid of everything all the time. Yeah, that makes sense, though. I mean, your sister went out for ice cream and never came home. Right. Thanks so much, Michelle. You're welcome. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Join us next week for our conversation with Bob Taft, the cold case investigator with the Orange County Sheriff's Department about Carrie's case. If you or anyone you know has any information about the disappearance and murder of Carrie Patterson, please call the Orange County Sheriff's Department at 714-647-7045.